Hey guys, what's going on? You are once again listening to Creator Speak. I am your host, Jeff Tamarco, and I want to apologize for the delay of this episode. I think it's been since January, uh, since the last couple of releases I did. I don't really have a good excuse, I just really fucking suck at time management. So uh, I'm going to work on that and actually give you guys a reason to try to continue to follow my shit. <laughs> um, but before we get into the episode, though, I do have a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, mine and Kevin Zerb's new show, The Zerbinator. Uh, My Generations finally had its premiere. The first episode uh, was released, I want to say, a week and a half ago at this point. And I'm going to share that on my website shortly after I post this one. But you can go ahead and check it out on zerbinatorland.wordpress.com, along with all of his other shows. It's pretty cool. Uh, Check it out. We're going to have a second episode coming in soon. The first episode's just sort of like an introductory, almost like a pilot, if you can even get away with doing those in podcasts. I don't know if you can't. Also, uh, I have new artwork up for sale on my Society6 page, which you can also check out on my website. And new coping coming next month. May 6th is the current date for it, but we'll see if that sticks or not. If you know me or follow any of my shit, you know how bad I am at that. So we'll see. But um, regardless, this episode I'm very excited about. It's one I've been wanting to do for a while, and we just now finally had the chance to really sit down and talk. It's with a, uh, an old friend of mine, Jake Mooneyham. Uh, he is a musician. He's currently attending school uh, for music and music-related things. And it was, it was a really interesting conversation. Uh, it was a little all over the place. A lot of it was us uh, just sort of catching up. It's been a while since I've really spoken to him, but... Uh, Man, we talk a little bit about everything from his inspirations as a musician to his experiences in playing in bands to experiences with school to what music theory is really all about to shit talk about Trump and the political atmosphere as a whole. It was a good conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. So without further ado, I give to you Jake Mooneyham. It works very well for this. So what I figured we could do is uh, we could just start fucking talking. I'll probably ask some warm-up questions, get myself some pre-show jitters out of the way. Particularly whenever I haven't spoken to somebody in a while, I get kind of, like, not nervous, but there's a certain level of anxiety I tend to walk into every podcast with for whatever reason. So Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. It's more for me, probably. (laughs) uh, So how's school going? Well, right now I'm, I'm taking a semester off, but I'm going back in the fall. Oh. So, yes, yeah, so this previous semester was pretty rough in terms of the fact that I stopped going. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like it's pretty common to have one of those yeah. for for people, especially in creative areas of study, just because mm-hmm. it can it can be uh, pretty high stress. Um, and it requires a huge amount of organization, which, you know, you've known me for years. So that's, you know, that I am anti-organized. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, it's pretty bad. Um, but part of the reason I stopped going was because I was becoming disinterested. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's, you know, like I'm studying jazz guitar right now. Uh, i got a long way to go, by the way, on that. <laughs> but... Yeah, just because it's so hard, but um, uh, and I'm fascinated by it. It's one of my favorite things in the world, jazz lately. So I wasn't into jazz at all when I first started school. Like I thought it was cool, but I had no interest in learning about it. Uh, really, just because I had a fundamental misunderstanding, 
or like lack of understanding of any kind of, of, of what was really going on in it. Right. Um, but you know, I started hanging out with some people at school that got me interested in it. And then it kind of became my main focus. Um, but in the previous semester, um, what started to happen was that, you know, I didn't plan very well, first of all. So I didn't, I didn't organize my time very well. So I was getting bogged down a lot. And, and, you know, you're not just taking music classes. You're also taking like sociology, et cetera, or whatever, whatever I was taking that semester. Mm-hmm. Um, geology was one of them. So, you know, I was getting kind of overwhelmed just with the workloads because I wasn't keeping up. And, and it, I think that stress kind of made me demonize what I was studying a little bit. Right. And I started, started to lose interest in it and focused more on, um, the electronic stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, like I started doing that. Like I think it was the summer before I started school. Yeah, I, I remember um, some of that. Yeah, at the lake house, yeah. I was doing a little bit of that. Um, but you know, I've, I've just gotten more and more interested in it as time has gone on. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, like I would spend more time doing that and less time practicing. You know, so that that's a recipe for disaster because you gotta you gotta play three like at least three performances each semester in solo class at Pellissippi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a piece of music that you work on and then you try to perfect it and then you play it in front of the rest of the music students. Mm-hmm. And it's just to get you performing. And of course you're also, you also have to be in ensembles. Like I was in jazz band uh, that semester and that was the only ensemble I was in. Right. Uh, in previous semesters I had been in uh, guitar ensemble and bluegrass which bluegrass is incredibly fun, by the way. I was playing mandolin. Nice. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. So I uh, got kind of, like I said, I got kind of overwhelmed. Started ignoring school more and more, and eventually it was just like, well, this is not gonna like this semester's not alive anymore. It's just on life support, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if you don't mind me asking, did you straight drop out, or did you just kind of? Wait just, until right after the exams. Oh, I just stopped going. I had like a, I feel like we were about three quarters of the way through the semester, and I hadn't missed too many classes in just about any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, the grades were just uh, not good, mm-hmm. and and really they they could have been a lot worse. But I just uh, kind of backed out, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for a person who's anxious naturally, uh, it's you know, uh, music music studying is uh, pretty intense. I'd, so. I'd imagine so, because um, I mean, granted, I wasn't doing music studying, but I know how overwhelming just college life in general got with me towards the end, and that's basically how I ended up dropping out too. Like, um, probably I probably could have finished up if I just pushed myself like a little extra harder the last month I was there that final semester, but eh, instead I just quit going. So yeah, it's easy to do. It's easy to just be like fuck it and I'm out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it you just went away from it. But, yeah. <clears throat> and now yeah. I'm getting excited about going back, you know. So that's good. So you but are I'm, for sure 100% going back next semester then. Yeah, I filled out my FAFSA. I still need to sign up for classes, but that's mm-hmm. in the next day or two. I want to do that. Um, you know, I'm, I've been playing guitar a lot more, trying to like work through some jazz tunes. 
uh, I need to do it more and, and then go play with human beings, you know, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> right. instead of just backing tracks. But, you know, I, I'm definitely this is the most I've been practicing since I stopped going to school, basically. OK, like the decision to go to school. Right. W- would you say that kind of helped shape where you're at with music right right now? Right. Def- definitely a massive fork in the road there. Like if I didn't go to school, I'd be doing something totally different right now when it comes okay. to music. So let's go ahead and start with whenever you first really noticed that music was going to become this huge part of your life. Like, walk us through that. That was uh, uh, a long time ago. I mean, uh, that's probably around when I was like 17 or 18, Mm -hmm. uh, still living with my mom and dad out in Chestnut Hill. And uh, me and Zach started playing together. Uh, You know... Uh, I just became kind of obsessed with it at that mm-hmm. point. We never played out anywhere, um, but we played a lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, trying to play a lot of covers and write a lot of songs. And it was a lot of fun. And we both learned a tremendous amount just from doing that. Um, so was it something you kind of got caught up in the moment of and it just turned into a passion for you? Or do you feel like it was something that had been creeping there for a while before you actually jumped on it? Kind of, uh, kind of a mix. Like mm-hmm. I've I've had guitars around me my entire life. Like uh, just you know, one of the first gifts I received like at an early age was a guitar from my grandmother, which I still have. Um, <clears throat> it's in a different condition than I got it uh, because it went through some unfortunate uh, uh, damages just due to its storage when I was really young because I didn't know how to take care of stuff. Right. And since then, I've kind of modified it. But uh, so, <clears throat> like, yeah, so it's always been around me, but, like, I've always had this uh, looming laziness about everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll, like, I always want to try to do the cool stuff before I do any of the hard work. Mm-hmm. And that was always stifling, uh, if I'm using that word correctly. Um, I believe you are. I think so. So that was, that was, that was, uh, so that's from like a really early age, from like nine or something. I've had my own instruments or whatever around me, but I never really tried to learn anything of substance for a while. Um, so then like when I was 16 or 17, I started playing guitar more, learned a handful of chords and power chord shapes and the blues scale, basically, in like one shape. So, like very limited everything, but you know, it was stuff that I could move around and play with and uh, try to write stuff. Cause that's what I've always been most in- interested in is, is uh, writing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So early on, what were your biggest influences? If you had to peg any, uh, like how early, like around the time me and Zach started playing together. Let's say whenever you first started playing seriously, that's probably, around there like whenever i first that's when i first really became obsessed mm-hmm. so that's jack white for sure like that's humongous influence on me like uh partly just because the white stripe songs are so easy to grasp uh if you're new to an instrument mm-hmm. um and they sound really good <laughs> you know even yes. even though they're so simple oh, uh, yeah. it's very empowering to 
to be able to learn a, a really cool sounding thing so quickly. So that really lit the fire there. Um, and yeah, and the black keys, um, were also in there, uh, pretty significantly, like pretty much equally in terms of influence. Like for a while there, I only wanted to play finger style bluesy licks because that was Dan Auerbach's style. He didn't really use a pick ever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do you still find some of that creeping into your music now? Jack White, Black Keys stuff? Yeah. Definitely. Like that's the foundation of, of uh, like even like how I think about music. You know, that's like, because, like, when you're first learning about music, you have to, like, experiment and be like, oh, when I do this, it sounds like this, and so on and so forth, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that really, like, frames, like, your uh, sort of, like, inner ear kind of thing, like your mental sense of sound. Yeah. And uh, so that's, like, at the foundation of everything. So, like, still, like, really, uh, I like that intensity, you know, that you get, like, from a Jack White guitar solo. Right. Because it's really just it sounds like it's on fire, but it's not metal. You know, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not complicated, it's just really hyper effective and just like, you know, something about it gets me every time. And the Black Keys stuff is just so heavy and uh, not like in a metal kind of way, but just like dense. I don't know how to describe it. It's really, think, really think, soulful. Yeah, I think dense was a good word for it. There's a lot, there's definitely a lot to chew on whenever it comes to the black keys. Yeah, it's it's not dense with a whole lot of notes that they're playing, but like in terms mm-hmm. of like the emotional stuff that they're kicking around, it's you know pretty. It's heavy. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so how long did you find it? Just you and Zach, right? Like Zach's pretty much the only guy you played with at this, at this point, right? Yeah, at that point, yeah. Yeah, okay. How long was it from there to where you started to kind of find yourself slipping into more of that band mentality, if you did have a point where it was like that? Let's see. I'm trying to remember, like, because I can, I can remember the first time me and Zach played music together, but, mm-hmm. like, I can't exactly remember the very first time that, like, me and Macy and Derek played together. I kind of can. Like, I just don't remember exactly what was going on. Um, I think it was one of the first few times that we played together that we, like, recorded stuff and put it on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was... That was, like, 2013, that first Vintage Season album, where everything was made up on the spot, you know? Yes, which I was <laughs> a big fan of that album. Thank you. Oh played, yeah, you're welcome. Played drums on it, so that's different. Um, uh, so the first two albums in that band setting were both kind of like made up on the spot stuff. Like we didn't have a song, and then we went in there and then created them all, you know. Right. And, th- and that's why it's all kind of all over the place sounding, uh, because you know we're all also like all four of us or three of us at that time are pretty much we're pretty much totally untrained, you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Derek had more, um, like, musical, like, mentors in his life than me or Macy did at that point. Because mm-hmm. I think he learned a lot of guitar stuff from his dad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, I mean, I didn't know anything about drums. I was just trying to, like, I was just trying to, like, uh, 
kind of scrape up whatever knowledge I could off of Zach, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played basically the same beat on everything. Yeah. Um, How's the, is, does Zach still play, by the way? Yeah, he does every now and then. Uh, uh, how many months ago? A few months ago, I went over there and recorded a couple of songs with him. That's uh, awesome. Uh, they haven't been released or anything, but you know they're covers and they're cool. I think awesome. they did pretty good. It would be fair to say that you're more passionate about that particular genre, right? Or at least playing it and exploring it, as opposed to jazz? Uh, Kind of. Like, when it comes to like what genre I'm interested in playing, it's... Uh, it's become harder and harder to tell, mm-hmm. like, or harder to pinpoint over the years. Um, I will say there's a there's a lot more immediate satisfaction uh, for me to that genre, but that's probably just because that's what I started playing. Right. Uh, so those, but you know, that's to say that those sounds probably stick around for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's really no shame in that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like, jazz is really interesting, and it looks like it could be a lot of fun to play, but it looks stressful, man. Like, I I feel sorry for every (laughs) jazz musician I watch, like, just blow their lungs out. I mean, it's awesome. It's beautiful to watch, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't don't envy the (laughs) poor bastards that put themselves through that. I really don't. Yeah. Um, okay. It's gonna be complicated, sure. Yeah, I'd imagine so. So... So that kind of brings me up to my next point. What's the biggest difference between like playing for school and playing on your own then? Um, well, like, let's see. Playing for school, it's usually, it's one of the handful of things. It's either like a bluegrass tune, which that's the thing that's the most similar to what me and Zach have done, for example. Mm. Um, even though it's, different <laughs> it's the most similar it's either a bluegrass tune or a classical piece or a jazz piece right mm-hmm. uh, the bluegrass tune is kind of like the in some ways the easiest to do uh just because it's the easiest to mentally latch onto because there's not a lot of crazy chords and nobody expects you to use like complicated vocabulary over it you know yeah uh they just want it to sound really cool you know and really good <laughs> right and, and there is bluegrass vocabulary to, to playing, but it's not as, uh, you know, dense, maybe, in another meaning of the word, uh, as jazz is. So, yeah, it's either bluegrass or jazz or classical that I play at school. And the jazz stuff is really tough for me, at least, because, you know, you got to know the chords, of course. got to know the melody, of course. Um, but soloing over it is uh, – it's not like soloing over a rock tune – at all because you can usually get away with one scale on like a rock song, you know, like the blue scale and it's usually pretty effective, you know, or just a major scale. Mm -hmm. Um, but with, uh, with the jazz stuff, it's, you know, if you want to solo over something, you need to know, as far as I can tell so far, you need to know, you know, the major scale and every key, you need to know all the modes of the major scale. So like uh, Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, Locrian, you know, mm-hmm. and not just like know the names of them, but know like how to finger them on your instrument. And you need to know 
what chords come out of each scale step of that and how to play them all together and how to arpeggiate them one note at a time. You need to know, and then you need to take that information and look at the chords of the song and say, okay, this is the chord at this moment. That means I have these notes to choose from if I want to be kind of chill sounding. And then I have these notes to choose from if I want to be tense sounding. And then you have to use that information to try to build like a curve of tension and release and trying to build interest and stuff. It's, it's really difficult for me at least to do. Um, like I've made progress on it, but not, you know, I'm still really super duper amateur at jazz. Yeah. My brain really feels like it's about to explode <laughs> from trying to take all of that in. So I completely understand how um, that would be difficult for you. It's tough. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now you're doing it in front of people and try not to screw up and you're anxious and, and that makes you think slower and like makes everything yeah. sound worse. It's crazy. How is that playing at shows, by the way? Because oh. I, I went to that one concert you did, and I believe it was a bluegrass one. I think I went with Alex and Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this was, uh, I want to say, uh, maybe not quite two years ago. It might have been two years ago. Shit, I guess I have been. <laughs> probably has been about two years ago. Anyway, but um, yeah, like you did great, but you, I could tell you were nervous. Like, oh, yeah. How do you, how do you swallow that? <laughs> Oh, it's tough. Like, uh, I feel like we were probably there for the first bluegrass show I played too. At least that's that's you know at the school in the auditorium, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I was extra nervous for that one. Uh, and I played more after that and felt less nervous because uh, I got better. <laughs> you know, like that that the first semester I was in bluegrass, I didn't play mandolin. And Josh, who was the bassist at the time, said, here, audition for bluegrass on mandolin. And he handed me a mandolin. And I'm like, Jesus. You know, like, like I remembered like three chords that I learned years ago, vaguely, mm-hmm. and went in there and didn't even really play chords for the audition. I basically just chopped the strings for like a snare drum kind of effect, because that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, But nobody else tried out on mandolin, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So I got in. And... I keep clipping my audio. That'll be okay. But, um, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a really, no semester was stressful, but the summer after that semester, I practiced a lot of mandolin and not very much guitar mm. and it made some progress to where I could like, you know, confidently like play the chords and solo and like feel good about what I just did, you know? Uh, and, and then, the gigs became very fun. You know, even, you know, I would get nervous every time, but like not as apocalyptically. We got to play right. the, we got to play at the Tennessee theater. It was like for some private. Ooh. Yeah. It felt awesome. It was like for some private, like TVA event or something. It wasn't like a, you know, come see the Pelosi Bluegrass band tonight. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like on the marquee or whatever, but it was really awesome to be on that stage and like playing music and, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, that's pretty fucking legit, man. I got to congratulate you on that. That's Thank pretty you. Pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. I, w- I would imagine being scared shitless though. Oh yeah. <laughs> before going up on that stage. Uh, so how many shows have you done at this point? Oh, uh, I do not know. I have well, not. That's count. good. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's good that you lost count. Um, 
another cool one for bluegrass was uh we got to do a thing on uh wdvx called the blue plate special mm-hmm. so that was on the radio that was pretty cool you know oh wow yeah and it was a really good performance for the band you know it sounded good and it just you know it was nice you know and that's uh that's something I'm really glad. Like I was really worried when I started going to school that it was just going to be impossible for me to play on the stage in front of humans, you know, because yeah. that was something I had not tested, and you know, I get nervous about everything. So that, you know, I'm glad it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. With that being said, my next question for you is this: because I know you hadn't played on stage in front of other humans before you got into school or anything, but um. And this may be a dumb question, so if it is, just skip over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which do you think you've learned more from, like playing on your own, trying to do bands, or school? Um, I think I've definitely learned the most from school, but like I feel like um, it's a different kind of knowledge, right? Yeah, I think the most the, the most important thing. And they they say this at school all the time, and I think they're right, that the most important thing is to play with people out at places as often as possible, Mm. you know, and that's how you get good. Do that and then, like, practice several hours a day, and then you'll become good. And that's true as far as I can tell. Uh, Not that I'm good now, but, like, because I barely practice. It's really ignorant how little I practice. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so you know, learn the most from school. But the other stuff you learn a lot too. But it's just a different thing. Like like playing with Zach and then playing with Macy and Derek. You know, that was like the foundations, like of mm-hmm. music and what you can do with it, and just experimenting and being like, you know, and being in a band situation and trying to write songs, trying to cover songs, you know, uh, trying to get those like little communication things down where you like look at the person before the thing happens so that you can coordinate, you know? Yeah. So I learned a lot about that stuff from those situations and then learned a huge heap of stuff that I didn't expect even existed from school. (laughs) And, uh, and then on my own with like the electronic stuff, that's where I've been able to be most experimental and, uh, explore sounds at like a rapid fire pace. You know, and I feel like that's done a lot for my ear. At least I think so. Just because I can be like, what is, you know, a, a, this chord sound like played at the same time as this chord? And then I hear it. I'm like, okay, that's what that sounds like. Yeah. And you can just do it forever at light speed on a computer. You know, you don't have to even know how to play a piano or whatever mm-hmm. to, to work on it. So I, I really, I really enjoy, uh, that's where I like, the summer before I started school is when I started messing with electronic stuff. Um, and that's where I started really trying to learn about music theory for the first right. time. Um, because before then, I feel like I have like an aversion to it because I, I was worried that it would like suck some magic or some fun out of playing music. But it's definitely the opposite is true. Like, the more you learn about music, the more fun it is both to play it and listen to it. It's kind of how I felt or how I imagine a lot of artists feel whenever they first make the jump from doing, like, paintings to Photoshop frequently. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I can kind of relate to what you're saying, but continue. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. It's also like, you know, if you go from just totally just drawing whatever and and not really thinking about the principles of, like, light and shadow and, you know, line and form and perspective, it's like going, mm-hmm. it's like going from a total primitive perspective, which you can still make awesome stuff, to, like, having words for these things. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I didn't even fully understand what a chord was, really, before that summer. <laughs> I didn't know that, like, because I just thought of it as a shape on a guitar, you know. I didn't know what the notes were in the chord, and that, you know, this note plus this note plus this note equals this chord every time. I didn't realize that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I really like music theory. That's, like, my favorite thing. <laughs> right. Okay, so with music theory, what's theory <laughs> with music theory? Uh, what's been the hardest thing to grasp with it? And if um, you've already covered that in some other shape or fashion, feel free to bitch like, slap me in. <laughs> like the most difficult concept? Yes. Let's see. Um, because it sounds like it's uh, one of those concepts that's ever expansive, right? Oh, it's infinite. There's, there's no end to it. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's of course it's on planet Earth. It's finite, but yeah, like there's mm-hmm. you could never learn all music theory. It's not right. ever going to happen because you could learn everything, maybe about Western music, like the theory of Western art music, which is mainly what we learn in school. Like, so the theory of classical music all the way up to jazz and pop, because um, it's all the same. How do you even begin to wrap your brain around that at the start of a semester? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I'm glad I started messing with it, like via YouTube videos and Wikipedia the summer before, because mm-hmm. there you, you wouldn't even believe how many resources there are for this stuff out there. Like you can teach yourself um, when it comes to just like the theory of stuff. Really, these days you can teach yourself anything, you know. Um, but it's just definitely always better to have a teacher because. You know, it, it's easy to get arrogant and have a limited perspective when you're by yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, music theory is wild. It's, it's crazy that, you know, the stuff encompasses almost all music we've ever heard in our life is governed by these like concepts, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, but like you say, you learn all that. Then you still have, you know, uh, Chinese traditional music, which in which you know, like Chinese classical music, which is totally different, operates on completely different principles, doesn't have chords really, so that's something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, and uh, you know, like traditional African music, with its incredibly complex rhythms, you know, that are like layered on top of each other and like, you know, have like mathematical ratios that govern the relationships between each other. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, polyrhythms, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're wild. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like Indian classical music, et cetera. You know, th- there's just so much. Because every, if you're a person, you're going to grunt at least, you know, and make a sound and be like, that sounded cool, and then do it again. And like throughout mm-hmm. history, that's always happened. Like in every culture, there's music of some kind, at least as far as I know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's wild, man. I don't know where I was that's going a- with that, but. Uh, I don't either, but I'm glad you schooled me a little bit on it, and the audience as well. Uh, <laughs> Sorry if I sound super... pretentious, by the way. It's... Uh, no, not at all. It was really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm not very familiar with music theory, really, so this is probably the most I've ever sat and talked about it. So. Dude, 
I honestly think that you would dig checking a little bit of it out. Like, I think you would enjoy learning a little bit about it and then, like, mm. going and listening to music afterwards. Because it's, like oh, sure. it's like you start to, like, have these words that you learn bouncing around in your head. Right. Like, like you, you know, you've played guitar and stuff. Like, you, you kind of know what a major chord sounds like versus a minor chord, for example. Right. Major chords kind of happy, minor chords kind of sad, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's music theory, you know. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot of it <laughs> beyond that. So, and and I feel like just the more I learn about it, it's, it's so. I'm just really glad I went to school because the more I learn about music, the more fun it is to even listen to music. It's like it's just the resolution keeps increasing. It's great. That's a excellent way to put it. The resolution keeps increasing. Uh-huh. I had a. Uh, Way worse metaphor, so I'm not gonna drop. <laughs> but um, yeah. Do you have any good reading material you could recommend somebody for music theory? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, like something I could read casually. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, um, uh, it's, t- it's tough to sit down and read with Lincoln. So. Well, it's uh, it depends on what you how much you want to learn, and uh, I mean the main thing I'm familiar with is just my textbook from school. Which is just right. uh, tonal harmony with an introduction to 20th century music by Kostka and Payne, but uh, it's uh, you know it's 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 a textbook, so it's it's it reads like one. It's not exciting exactly, uh, right? But it's you know it, it lays out all the information from the very foundations up to some crazy stuff, um, like you know it goes from like this is what pitch means all the way up to, like, 12-tone, atonal music that has no key, you know? Okay. Um, so that's a cool book, but, uh, like, uh, there's other books that I've wanted to get at times that I can't remember the names of right now. Uh, let's see. Re- really, it's just the Internet. Um, if you mm-hmm. can get on the Internet, uh, just uh, musictheory.net is <laughs> pretty cool. Um uh, Wikipedia has a lot of information, like an in- okay. incredible amount of information on music theory. Um, and it's mostly accurate as far as I can tell, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it gets dense though. You know, that's right. important to point out. It's not like, you know, it's, it's kind of mathy. And mm-hmm. so it's not very leisurely to, to read necessarily. Unless you're like a super dork, like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know. The idea of it being kind of mathy is a bit exciting in a way. Because if there's one thing I regret, um, whenever I was younger, was not taking the time to really, uh, just wrap my brain around like anything mathematical. You know, yeah. like I ran from it, and it's only now later in life I realize how ridiculous that was because. If you really want to help yourself just build up a good logic center up there, the best thing to do yeah. is to focus on things that require precisely that, logical problem solving. Right. And uh, as a kid, I had a tendency to shun that. So, I mean, math can be kind of frightening. Uh, like, uh, I have a similar regret, except it's that I wish I didn't ignore everything in high school. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I barely did anything. Yeah, with the exception of English classes, I never tried. Ugh. I, I feel really guilty about it now. Uh, shit, I don't know, man. I feel guilty about school a lot now. I just didn't apply myself like I should have. I feel like it would, you know, it would just, uh, 
you know, the the next few years after school would have been a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and school's not that hard, and like at least high school and stuff like that. In comparison to, you know, life. Life, yeah, life is the same. Yeah. Um. For sure. For sure. Uh. Speaking of which, hopefully I'll be getting back into school. Uh. Maybe in the next year or so. Hell I'm yeah, dude. That's right. Yeah, I got about a thousand set back for it, which it's going to cost me about, uh, I want to say roughly 2500 to get back in, and that's kind of highballing it. Right. And that's just like a, you know, a semester of tuition and whatnot. But, uh, man, if I can just manage to get that much put up, I'll be golden. I could go back. That's awesome, so, man. Yeah, I'm going to try really hard because, I mean, <clears throat> fuck, dude, I already have two years under my belt, you know? Yeah. You going back to Walter State? Uh, I don't know. I'm definitely going to put more of an f- emphasis on a, a journalism degree, I believe, yeah. of some kind. Uh, the only thing that I'm kind of dreading about that is just print media is completely dead. So unless you get lucky and net something that's, uh, you know, worth a shit online, eh. which I'm not a huge fan of online writing. Like, I've been doing that the past few months, and... Uh, Unless you manage to get hired on by a reputable website, a lot of it's just incredibly low-paying freelance shit. Yeah, it's like, it's for the exposure or whatever. Like, you can go and buy a sandwich with exposure. Yeah, man. I think uh, for five months of work for ghostwriting for this company called Weaving Thoughts, I made maybe $135. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a dollar every hundred words, and apparently that's a pretty standard rate for that. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> so you gotta just pump some stuff out. To... Yeah, I'm not a. Yeah, it's not. Mm. That sounds that sounds frustrating. I should have done it whenever I was in school, man. Like really. So what I'm hoping to do is get back into school and maybe uh, get a degree in that, and it might help me out a little bit. Yeah, we need journalists right now. Uh, yeah, time. honestly, that's what inspired me. Like, I never gave two shits about any of that kind of thing until all of this. And I feel like it's important. Like, now more than ever, people who people need to fucking speak up, man. Like, it's bullshit. I'm telling you, dude, it's, uh, oh, it's scary times, man. It freaks me the fuck out, honestly. Like, I try not to obsess over it, Jake, but I kind of do. Oh, me too. Every fucking day. Yeah, it's so bad. I need to stop because I'm driving myself crazy, but holy shit. It's it's hard. You can't. Like, I I thought about, like, you know, just sit, like, telling myself I'm not going to look at anything in the news at all for the next, like, week. And then ten minutes later, I'm, like, on fucking New York Times or something, like, just like, oh, what did he do? What did he do? You know? Yeah. Because it's just a nonstop, like, crazy bullshit train ramming through all our freedoms. Like, it's so ridiculous, too. It's like a fucking cartoon, man. Like, (laughs) Like, how is this possible? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Like, I keep on trying to tell myself, it'll bounce back, man. It'll bounce back. Think about it. We survived Watergate, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But, eh, I I don't know. Things, you know, I hope things work out, and and I think it's slightly more likely that the, that they will than they won't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the caliber of person we have in control of the strongest military that's ever existed right now is not the like I wouldn't. I would feel a little bit nervous if he was driving the car I was riding in just because of his intellect. 
you know? Yeah. Like, it's, if you hear him talk, it's like, what are you, what, what's your deal, dude? Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Th- th- you know what frightens me the most? And, um, it was kind of Sam Harris that drove this thought into my head. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to his podcast an awful lot lately, and uh, during Trumpian times, it's a bad idea occasionally. Yeah, because he's, <laughs> uh, he's pretty. He's uh, pretty. Uh, he he doesn't sugarcoat anything. No, and it's terrifying. And I mean, it's exactly how it is. Like, there's a real problem with just being completely accepting of someone who is that ignorant in power. And I'm sorry, it's a it's a certain kind of willful ignorance, and that's what frightens me the most. It's like, even the people that support him, man, it's, you have to know somewhere deep down that this isn't right. Why are you purposefully turning that switch off? Like, that's what's driving me insane, because the second you dig into anything he says, anything that goes on, it stops making sense. Yeah. It's completely. I mean, uh, I, I don't agree with everything Sam Harris says. I really like a lot of the stuff he says, and I've got one of his books. I've been I've read a little bit of. I need to finish the one about meditation. Um, oh, uh, uh, waking up. meditation. Yeah, it's named. It's got the same name as, as this podcast. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but um, I do meditate from time to time. And <clears throat> I was listening to a few podcasts he did with a. Uh, oh, what's that one dude? I think he uh, contributed a piece to uh, waking up. He's this, like, meditation guru. Mm, I don't know. He's been on the podcast a few times, regardless, um, as you were. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, like, I don't, specifically the things I don't agree with all the time are when he starts talking about the left. Mm. Uh, I feel like I get what he's saying about it being too, uh, sorry about that little click sound there. But uh, no, that's okay. I feel like I, I get what he's saying about it being too uh, identity politics sometimes, that's for sure. There's an issue with right. that, but I, I feel like he maybe over demonizes it or like, like regards it as too wide a problem uh, because the central concepts of the left or whatever, I, I feel like are generally better, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I think I agree with you on that because um, he has put a lot of blame on um, God. What is it? He, he keeps on using social justice phrase. warriors. That and identity politics. He keeps yeah. on bringing up how that was kind of the fall of the Democratic Party. I think I agree with you. I don't believe I entirely buy into that. Like, don't get me wrong. There were definitely people that went to an extreme with it in a way I don't think they should have. But you're going to get that, you know, in any position, in any stance. And if you think about it, somebody going to the extreme fighting for, uh, you know, pronoun usage or something like that, well, that's a lot safer and a lot less annoying than the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. So. Like, what, like what's what's right wing identity politics look like? You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's a lot scarier. So even then, it's a minor annoyance more than a legitimate problem. Yeah, it's like, you know, can we can we focus on the fact that we have a child with nuclear weapons in the White House right now? Like, but at the same yeah. time, I feel like he's right to an extent, just because you know, identity politics in the sense of us versus them. Like, we are the left; they are the right. Uh, that's not necessarily the kind he's always talking about, but I feel like that has had a major corrosive effect just because people won't even listen. Like people won't ask questions or give answers to questions from people that they know they disagree with because they're like, oh, they're just wrong. They don't understand it. They're a lost cause. I don't want to talk to them. And like a lot of people do that. Like most people do that. And, and that's how you end up in this situation where you've got fucking, 
I'm trying to think of a clever nickname for the idiot, but I can't. The the president, you know, in the White House, um, <laughs> like he just sucks. Like <laughs> you settled for calling him exactly what he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's just uh, it's infuriating. Just how, like how mm. can you like listen to him and think, yeah, that was a sentence, you know, <laughs> like. It's, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's uh, and, and that I don't, and and I don't necessarily think that if they really sat down and thought about it for ten seconds, that they would be like, "Yeah, he's great. I want him to be president." I think the main reason they got behind him so feverishly, because not all these people are idiots. Obviously, there's a lot of smart people on the right, but I think the yeah. whole reason they got around him so feverishly is because the right wing media just like has this view that Hillary Clinton is like literally Satan himself, like just, bleh, just like breathing like lava all over everything all the time. Like, yeah, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Hillary Clinton, you know, like obviously she's a flawed candidate or she was, uh, don't have, I all- mean, you have to be pretty flawed in order to lose to that. You know, like, I definitely agree with you. There's a lot of demonization on the right's part whenever it came to her. Because, really, she did nothing that wasn't more egregious than any other corrupt politician in history, right? Yeah, let I alone mean, compared to Donald Trump. Like, just yeah, look at him. Exactly. Like, uh, people aren't, weren't judging based on the actual candidates as much as they were, like, the sort of group think characterization of, of them. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm a little guilty of it with, with, tr- with Trump, I guess, you know, like, you know, I, I, I love to talk about how stupid he is, you know, and, and just like, yeah, go off the rails about it just cause he's such an easy target for, for, uh, for, uh, mockery. But, but, you know, I, I think it becomes a real problem when you start just tuning out everything any of his supporters say. Uh, just because it, it keeps you from moving forward. It keeps the conversation from happening. We're just like mm. two people or like the left and the right are like two people just talking at each other and like with their fingers in their ears right now. Pretty much. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, and it's um it's annoying. I can't really can't really handle it. Uh regardless, <laughs> we got really sidetracked. Oh, that's all good. That's, that's all good, man. Yeah. Um good good though. Good little ramble there. Jesus, what were you we talking about before we got on Trump? Conversation. Oh, uh, music theory, right? Uh, that's kind of where we left off on. Journalism is what segued us into because we were talking about you going back to school. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so journalism. And let's backtrack. I'm probably going to leave that bit out. Okay, let's just uh, let's just start with another question. So, right. last one was music theory. Um, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just go ahead and jump into this. So, what have you been working on lately? Well, <clears throat> the the main project lately has been this twenty minute tracks thing, mm-hmm. which I think you've seen some of. Yeah, uh, I've seen, I want to say I've seen four or five of them. How many do you have posted? Uh, eight. Okay, yes. So I've at least seen half of them. But I'm sorry about not catching oh, up. Oh, dude, yet. it's cool. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, I still need to catch up on your podcast, your writing and stuff, so it's all good. Oh, don't feel bad, man. <clears throat> a lot of it's, uh, you know. 
Well, the, the, the thing, the songs I'm putting up are pretty rough, uh, mm-hmm. because the whole idea, if, you know, for the listeners is, uh, that, you know, I record my screen and a little timer while I allow myself only 20 minutes to make as close to a complete track as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the production's obviously going to be, you know, pretty minimal, et cetera. But I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do is, um, have something with like a beginning, middle, end, something with musical ideas that bounce off each other, uh, and something that just has like a concept, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, even in that realm, even just in the pure musical realm, they they end up being very basic because what can you do in 20 minutes, really? You know, and it's very easy to get distracted. Um, but they're, you know. The ones I do that I like, I'm like, okay, I'll put them up. And then I'll, I'll like make a little animation for them, mm-hmm. which is just a sort of a, a, my own sort of way of visualizing music where each, oh geez, each pitch gets a color. Like uh, C is blue, B is orange, etc. So mm-hmm. I do that. And then I, you know, there's a time, basically the videos are like this. There's an opening. There's a time lapse of me making the track with a, with ambient spooky music playing in the background. And then there's the track with the animation at the end. So each video ends up being about five minutes long. Um, and, uh, so I have eight of them up right now. Uh, I have a ninth one on my hard drive. Um, I was going to put it up yesterday, but, uh, my computer crashed while I was rendering the animation. I was very discouraged. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, yeah, so once I do the tenth one, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a few days away from it, and then I'm going to go back in and I'm going to try to put them all together into an album, and but like work on them more, polish them a little bit more so that they sound more final. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and then the plan is to do an album length animation similar to the ones for each track. So you'll have that yeah, same. That would be pretty sweet. I, I like the idea of that. It would be the longest, like, individual piece of content that I have on YouTube. Um, yeah. And it would let you see, like, how the tracks, you know, it would give you a visual for how the tracks are different from each other. And it would mm-hmm. be, I feel like that kind of animation is something that is better if you just sink in and watch a lot of it, you know? Uh, right. Because you start to notice the associations, like, you know, when I hear this kind of a sound and I see this kind of a visual. Uh, because it's pretty much one-to-one, like, you know, what's in the music is on the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you know, the hi-hats are little bright flashes up top. Kick drums are like disrupted little blobs at the bottom, you know, and the melodies are little lines that move around in different colors, et cetera. Mm. Uh, so that'll be cool. It'll be like a little mini movie of just sort of visualization. Yeah. Um, and then I'll put that on YouTube. I have a Patreon right now, by the way, everybody. I have like three patrons. Uh, uh, go ahead and plug those, please, if you don't mind. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well, but it'll help if you, uh, you know. Oh, plug the people who are patrons? Yes. Now let me get to the list. Just, like, I know them, but I just want to make sure I don't forget anybody because I feel terrible. Um, just because I'm awkward, you know me. Patreon. <laughs> I think it's you, Macy, and Alex, isn't it? Uh... Is that it? Really? Hold on. Well, hopefully you get some more from this. So, 
I am. I have three patrons. Um, two of them have uh, their own Patreon pages uh, with with running projects. Uh, Macy Lou, who is my sister, um, she's an artist and she paints a lot and she makes really good paintings, in my opinion. And yes, she does. totally think you guys should support her. And you, Jeff DeMarco, oh. our last name's okay. Yes, okay. absolutely. I just didn't know what your standards were, but uh, uh, <clears throat> and your various creative projects can be funded through Patreon as well, including podcasts and and art, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, for the record, um, I'm terrible about updating that thing, so I need to actually do that before I expect people to sink any money into it. But uh, <laughs> um, at some point, I will get around that. But thank you for the plug. No problem. You're so sweet. And also, Alex Asbury is a good friend of mine, and he's a patron. But he's not, uh, I don't think he's actively using Patreon right now. That's a shame. Let's talk some more about that album. Yeah, about that album. Um, Okay, so um, basically, you're taking these uh, 20-minute song videos and kind of expanding upon those for the track list. Right, like, just, you know, for, for those of you who might be listening, who... Just, just to be clear, the songs are not 20 minutes long. It takes 20 minutes to make them. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take just the songs themselves and just open back up the same project file that I used before and uh, you know save a new version, of course. But what I'm going to do is just add to it, do whatever I want to it to make it work better uh, and just like not worry about a time limit um, because there's you know a skeleton there already. I can just... You know, it's a lot to work with. Uh, so they should be a lot different or, you know, at least better. You know, a lot of the, the musical ideas will be pretty much the the same, but there might be additional ones. You know, like there's there's a, 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 at least one song that doesn't even really have a melody. It's just like uh, drums and bass and chords. You know, there's nothing really happening on top. Uh, so, you know, that'll have a melody. <laughs> um, yeah, so the whole idea of this project is just so that it, it forces me to create things quickly uh, to get, like, these seeds started that I can then work with to create the album. Um, and uh, and after it's done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, like, more seasons of this in the future. So more, there'll be more albums as a result, but not immediately. Oh, awesome. Yeah, but not immediately because it stresses me out more than I thought it would. Um, it's not like, yeah, it's not terrible, but it's like, oh, geez, got to do this again, you know, because it's like you got to really be on top of it, you know, if you've got a time limit. Yeah, um, I think anything about or any kind of ongoing project like that, like a series of things, has a tendency to get way more stressful than you realize relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, Uh-oh. sorry for interrupting. No, no, not at all, man. Like, um, I kind of, I kind of feel that way about coping, which is why I take like six or seven months off <laughs> <laughs> from doing it at times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I completely get that. I mean, I think it's been a month since I uploaded episode eight. You know, I feel terrible about that because I have a handful of patrons, you know, mm-hmm. who are paying me to do this. Uh, and that's kind of disrespectful. So uh, that's that's one reason I really want to get back on it um, because it's important to me to, you know, to be good to, to the people who choose to support me. 
Uh, right, earn your keep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I do look forward to this not being the main project anymore, uh, like for a little while, uh, because first of all, it's a little stressful. And second of all, like there's like other sounds that I want to check out. Um, like I uploaded a a track the other day. I don't know if you saw it because I didn't share it on Facebook or anything, but you may have gotten a Patreon notification about it. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. I might have. Uh, was it like earlier in the week? Yeah, it was just a few days ago. I was probably in Georgia or something because I remember looking at it and not getting a chance to look at it, like or really watch it. Sorry about right. that. No, that's fine, dude. It's a it's a weird little track. Uh, if everybody's listening, might as well plug it for them. It's a. Uh, I uh, I got pretty stoked when I heard about those planets discovered. I'm sure you heard the uh, yeah that, yeah the the Trappist One system. That's what it's called. Okay, cool. Yeah. It, yeah, I was trying to explain it to Bree the other day, and I couldn't remember the system, but that's amazing. Yeah, it's an incredible thing. It's got seven Earth-sized planets, roughly three of them in the habitable zone, and probably more than three of them harboring water. So I'm thinking there's critters. Um, pretty, <laughs> there's critters. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, uh-huh. So then I was like, okay. That sounds like an awesome band name, and it wasn't taken. So, uh, Trappist One, as in Trappist hyphen O N E dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, there's one track, it's called Speaking in Spirals on Zilphuria B, because I want to be real sci fi about it, right? Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, everybody should check it out. It's pretty strange. It's only two minutes, 50 seconds long. But it's. I'll check that out. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh it's different from from uh, the other stuff just in terms of the way it sounds. Like it's all electronic of course, but um yeah. it's more aggressive sounding. Uh uh not there's I mean not in the bass on stuff. You know, really drum centric. Um and a lot of like uh you know, things changing quickly is what I was trying to do. I didn't want to have as much repetition. Even if there is repetition, I wanted a lot more variation. So I'm looking forward to doing more stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, if I'm going to be doing 20-minute tracks, it takes up a lot of time. So, uh, you, you know, keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Awesome. Shameless plug. All right. So for some closing thoughts here, where do you see yourself going with music as a whole? Like, is this what you want to center your life and career off of? Like, just use it as kind of a launching pad. Like I remember in conversations we've had in the uh, past music teacher being brought up. Yeah. So is that, um, go ahead. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We don't know how to human. Um, no, no, really we don't. Uh, yeah. So music teacher, I'm going to try to start teaching guitar lessons soon. Um, just like beginner to intermediate. Obviously I'm not, I'm not a killer guitar player. I can't shred. I can't shred that git fiddle, um, uh, just yet. But you know, I can. I can teach a little bit of stuff, at least the early stuff. So I'll, yeah. I can teach kids or whatever, or adults who want to learn, you know, from the beginning or kind of early part. So I want to do that soon. Um, I mean, I you know, perfect world. I would just make money by making music, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. but that's not realistic. So what I'm going to do is, you know, go back to school get more education, learn more about composition and theory, because that's what I've been interested in most this whole time. 
while still studying jazz guitar. And uh, it would be really cool. I think it would be really cool to be like a, th- a music theory teacher at a college uh, at some point in the future um, and try to play as many gigs as possible of both like jazz and my own music. So, yeah, that's that's how I see it. Uh, of course, I'm going to have to work jobs like a normal person, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. Well, awesome, man. Like, um, in all seriousness, hey, it sounds like you've got a really great head on your shoulders whenever it comes to this. Because um, I know uh, in the past, whenever I was there for, like, kind of the seeds of the interest to really start to grow, <laughs> uh, it's just cool to see how far you've come with it and how serious you still take it. And I don't know. Like, you've really become synonymous with it at this point. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to separate you from music in my head and that's like the greatest compliment i can give to anyone oh, trying to make a living off their craft thank you man so, oh yeah you're welcome and seriously thank you for coming on and doing this i really appreciate it oh, thanks for having me man I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to maybe hear people like have people hear me so that's cool i appreciate and it hopefully you get some new listeners because uh anybody who hasn't listened to shit yet you're missing out it's really interesting shit i don't want to just sit here and gush and pet his ego the whole time because Get a little masturbatory up on this com- uh, podcast, but we'll try to avoid that. So, um, your album, uh, do you have an expected release date for it yet? No, I don't. Uh, the, uh, the the last two tracks in their like primitive form should be done soon. Like The ninth one is done, it just needs to be animated. And the tenth one I will do very soon. Uh, the, the Making the track is the quickest thing about it. You know, the, the slowest thing about it is rendering the animation. Uh, but I think it's an important thing. So, yeah, those will be done. You know, it won't be longer than a week or two. Uh, <clears throat> but the album, you know, I need to update my Patreon page because it says some stuff about a time limit that I just don't agree with anymore. <laughs> 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 like, I was like, this was all a very spontaneous idea. Like, I was just laying in bed, couldn't sleep, and I was like, what if I did a 20-minute track? I made a YouTube video out of it. And then, like, I just got out of bed and did the first one, you know? Uh-huh. So, kind of flying about the seat of my pants here. But, yeah, so the the uh, primitive tracks will be done uh, soon. Um, and then, I mean, <laughs> hopefully, it'll, I'll put it like this. It will be before, when does school start? Like, September, August? It'll be before then. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It'll definitely okay, be, cool. yeah, like around, you know, mid to late summer. Let's say like, say that. All right. Awesome. So not that far out then. Right. All right. And uh, one more time for the listeners. Do you care to give them all the websites they can find you and your albums at? All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, music on Bandcamp under three names. So I'm sorry for that confusion. Uh, my... Newest thing that I just mentioned is Trappist One. That's T R A P P I S T hyphen O N E dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, my other thing is just under Jake Mooneyham. So that's Jake hyphen Mooneyham dot bandcamp dot com. Um, let's see. And that's got, that has an album on it and it also has uh, 20 minute tracks, like the primitive versions of the tracks up for free download. Um, as well as the ambient tracks that go with the videos. Um, awesome. and my oldest stuff on Bandcamp 
is under the name Trapper Capper, mm. which I abandoned that name a while ago. But uh, with some of this stuff, you'll see like the earliest uh, occasions of me messing with uh, electronic music all the way to like a little bit of a better understanding of it. But, you know, I'm still like a total amateur with this stuff. You know, I feel like at least. Uh, mm. But this is that's the oldest stuff. And I have one album of like really old stuff. That's really bad. You should all just definitely listen to that garbage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, check it out. Um, awesome. Uh, I'll my YouTube channel. I should probably mention. I should probably uh, go to that. Uh, yes, please. Because that's a pretty integral part of this. Let's see my channel. Um. View as returning subscriber. Sorry about this. Um, oh, it's all right, man. Let's see. I mean, really, just go to YouTube and search Jake Mooneyham. And when you see the weird-looking guy with the pink and blue face, that's me. <laughs> uh, with the fuzzy hat? No, no fuzzy hat this time. Just uh, okay. headphones on my head and multicolored lighting. Oh, cool. Nonetheless. Well, hey, man, thank you very much for hopping on. Seriously, I do appreciate it. Hey, man, it's no problem. I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate it as well. All right, that was it. Thanks for listening. Uh, Again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, If you like this, don't forget to support it by checking out my website at jeffdemarco.wordpress.com or going to the SoundCloud page for Radio Grindhouse, where this podcast, along with all the other ones that I'm involved with, are hosted at radiogrindhouse.soundcloud.com. I believe that's the correct address. I could be wrong on that. Might be soundcloud.com slash radiogrindhouse. I don't know. Type both in. Just see what happens. Uh, So this next piece is an original piece from Jake. Uh, I I would try to pronounce it, but I kind of got some brain soup going on right now, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. Instead, I'll just make sure the title's in the show notes, and you guys can try to pronounce it for yourself. It's a pretty cool track, and again, if you like it, don't forget to check out any of his pages on YouTube, Patreon, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, wherever you can find the guy. Check him out and support him. Uh, All of his shit's good. Just listen. Be the judge for yourself. Thank you.